Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Eric Jay here from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this show. Joined in studio, as always, by Chip Thompson, Jason Eisenman. What's going on, fellas? Happy Sunday morning. Yeah, it's October. It's uh, Sunday, and uh, we're ready for a, a good show. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> sometimes you just don't have much to talk about, huh? Uh, at least outside of the scriptures, we always have a lot to talk about when it comes to the scriptures, and we're continuing in our series, People of the Book. As a matter of fact, we crossed the halfway point uh, last episode, um, and uh, we only got four more episodes left in this series. Wow. Um, Mary and Joseph, Zachariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, who we'll be talking about today, kind of that intertestamental right before the Messiah shows up. And then uh, we'll be talking about the disciples and the apostles. Okay. We'll be talking about one of the apostles in particular after that, Paul. Um, just because of how much he contributed to the New Testament. Uh, and then we'll be talking about the church, and then that'll be it. And so uh, I, I think we have an idea of where we're going after that, but That's we still have ask. not decided. So this is last call. If, uh, if, you, <laughs> if you have input on what you would like to have us talk about next, uh, we're definitely going to go to a book of the Bible. Right. Um, some of you have put in suggestions. If you haven't and you there's a book of the Bible you'd like us to work through, we'd love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com and hit the contact us button or ask a question or you'll see how to get in touch with us. And uh, just let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about, what book of the Bible you'd like us to go through next. Well, and we can make a pledge to the listeners uh, right here now that uh, we're not going to spend three years in the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have been we have been working diligently in the background talking about how we're going to approach it right? Uh, so that it goes just a little bit quicker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'd love to get your feedback on that. And if you have any questions we can answer on the air about the Christian faith, uh, about Jesus, about the Bible, um, that's my favorite part of doing the show is uh, answering questions. So feel free to submit those also. All right, like I said, we are in the New Testament finally in our series of people on the book. We're going to be looking at John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, as well as looking at Mary and Joseph and kind of how the promised Messiah uh, finally shows up on the scene. Um, but before we get into that, Chip, why don't you pray for us? Well, the prayer I've had uh, uh, in mind for the show uh, for the last couple of days uh, comes right out of Psalm 25, verses 4 through 7, and I think it's really appropriate. I didn't really plan it this way, uh, but one, the very first verse talks about uh, preparing your path. So, Perfect. Uh, so here it is, Psalm 25, 4 through 7. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. 
Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or the acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. Amen. 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 Yeah, that was very appropriate. Um, as we'll be talking about, uh, the Lord is going to remember his promise, even after 400 years of silence uh, that happened after the last prophet of the Old Testament penned him, his book, uh, and that's Malachi. So if you want to turn in your Bible, we're going to start there as kind of a, a bookend to the Old Testament and the, the prophets of old, to really who is the last prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist. Uh, and, and John the Baptist was prophesied about. <clears throat> That's what Malachi does. And, and we know that because, as we'll read, Jesus himself says, this is the guy Malachi told you about. <laughs> so turn to Malachi chapter 3. Uh, Malachi is writing to uh, Judea, um, to, to Jerusalem. The temple's been rebuilt at this point. Israel has returned from captivity, uh, and yet still things aren't as they should be. Uh, the priesthood in particular in Malachi is in mind. Uh, they're pretty much going through the motions, you could say, but there's just not a faithful heart uh, yet back restored in Israel. And what Malachi's job is to not only call them to repentance, but to to give them this prophecy of the day of the Lord that's coming that will restore faithfulness to Israel because of what he's going to do for them, not what they're going to do for God. And one of the well-known prophecies in Malachi about John the Baptist, who we read about right away in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. within the first couple chapters of every gospel, comes from Malachi 3. And through his prophet Malachi, God says in verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So that, that's a big statement in and of itself. This, this messenger who's to come is going to prepare the way before God. Mm-hmm. Nothing like filling some big shoes there. <laughs> right. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. What does he mean by his temple? Is that God's temple? God, the church? Yep. Again, this is the priesthood's breaking down, right? That's why I introduced that. Malachi is largely writing to the priesthood um, and, and their faithlessness. Uh, and so the Lord's saying, I'm coming to set things right. I'm coming to my house to put things the way that they should be because clearly Israel is faithless. Uh, and, and again, not only calling to them to repentance in Malachi's day, but foretelling of the answer to that repentance, the forgiveness that's going to come, that final sacrifice in the temple uh, that Jesus will prove to be when the Lord comes to his own temple. And what this prophesy, prophecy is saying is there's going to be a messenger before him. So before the Lord shows up, there's going to be one final messenger. And in addition to that prophecy from Malachi 3, it's important that we read Malachi 4. And just to stop you, yeah, before the Lord shows up, there's going to be one final messenger. One final prophet. Okay, so the Lord is Jesus in the New Testament, yep. mm-hmm. um, and the final prophet is 
is going to prove to be John the Baptist. Okay. But we don't know that if we're receiving Malachi's words in the Old Testament. We just know there's one to come. And you earlier said that he's the last of the Old Testament prophets, and that's because he was the last one before Jesus. Correct. Even though we read about him in the New Testament. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we read about him in the New Testament, but the New Covenant hasn't been brought yet. Right. Jesus brings the New Covenant on the night that he was betrayed, right? right? Took bread, said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Take and drink. This is the New Covenant shed for you in my blood. So Jesus, the bringer of that covenant, as Malachi said, uh, will be have his way prepared by this messenger, whoever that messenger is going to be. Okay. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And then, still speaking of that same thing, uh, this is how the book of Malachi ends. He gets a little bit more specific about who this messenger is going to be. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. And so one of the obvious questions is, he's talking about Elijah the prophet, who <laughs> we know from old, uh-huh. m- much much before this mm-hmm. uh, Malachi is, is talking here. Who was uh, carried off into heaven. right. Yeah, yep. in a fiery chariot. Right. He's been gone. Yep. And he's coming back. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is this is what God is clearly saying, these are the marks to look for. And then when you get to the New Testament, depending upon which gospel you look at, I'm going to take us to John. Because John's going to pick up on this. John really plays not only on the beginning of the Old Testament. He opens his gospel with in the beginning. We talked mm-hmm. about that in our two-and-a-half-year series on the Gospel of John. Right. Uh, but, but John also has in mind the end of the Old Testament. And so John's kind of pulling that. I mean, if you can imagine John in just those first 18 verses taking Genesis and pulling it through Malachi to the statement that he's going to make uh, at the beginning of his gospel. John says in chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. There's your Genesis chapter 1 throwback. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this Word that's responsible for everything was with God. This word was God, and then fast forward to verse 14, the word becomes flesh, meaning this promise of Malachi that the Lord is going to come to his people takes place in verse 14 of John. The word becomes flesh. But before that, just like Malachi said at the end, in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So John, the author of the gospel, is saying that this man, John the Baptist, is the one that was prophesied to come and prepare the way for the Lord. And then if you go to verse 19... John, the apostle, writing about John the Baptist, says, and this is the testimony of John the Baptist. 
When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Well, where do they get that from? Malachi. Malachi. Clearly, this, this John the Baptist, he's drawing tons of followers. There's this huge movement to John the Baptist. And they're wondering, okay, are you Elijah that was to come? He said, I am not. That's fascinating. <laughs> so, so backing up just a minute, um, God, uh, you know, uses people of flesh. So it kind of goes back to that same drum that I see being beat throughout this human race where we have to see something to believe it. Um, so he's constantly using people that we can see and I, and, and hear and talk to in person for those words and, and prophet, uh, you know, the different prophets and prophecies. So he's in 14 there, uh, when the word became flesh and, and John bore witness, it, he's always using ways that we are going to maybe receive the information the best because if it was just coming out of the sky or there was nothing in front of our eyes. Yeah, I mean, God comes to us through people because we are people, right? He has to come to us in a way we can comprehend. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but as we bounce around and talk about different um, parts of the Bible and then, you know, when you're, I'm reading not here and on the show you I find constant little trails and I might be overthinking it but there's there's definitely uh, this repetitive nature where he's using things that we can see touch feel here on earth yeah I mean I think what you're talking about is in in big theological terms that God is sacramental he's always come to us to bring spiritual realities through physical means and you see that even in the garden of eden Right? There was a tree of life, and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't just some invisible force. God put those things in his creation. And so as we'll see with John the Baptist, he's, yes, he's fulfilling the prophecy of Elijah. I mean, if you don't know, Elijah wore camel's hair. John was preaching in about the same area that Elijah was. He had a very similar message of repentance, uh, calling people back to the Lord. So even though he's not Elijah himself, Jesus will say in Matthew 11, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? No, men in soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. So in Matthew 11, when Jesus is being questioned about John the Baptist, he says, Oh no, what you see, this ragged, rugged, dirty, honey in his beard, cricket-eating, camel-hair-wearing prophet who lives in the wilderness is an embodiment much in the same way that Elijah was, of the barrenness of spiritual fruit in Israel. He's the one that was going to come to prepare the way before the Lord showed up. So you have this connection of this call to repentance, not only given through people, but 
that's going to be connected, Jason, as you were talking about, to a visible way that we can connect that with God. Because John is going to not only preach a message of repentance, which is the preparation in the human heart to receive the Lord, but he's also going to do it with a baptism of repentance, which is why we call him John the Baptizer. He's going to call people into that Jordan River, call them to repent, baptize them, and bury their sins in water, which reminds you of what else happened in the Bible where sins were buried in water. The crossing of the Red Sea. Even before that. Oh, yes, Noah and the flood. The flood, mm-hmm. right? The world was sin and corrupt all the way through, and how does God get rid of that sin? How does he cleanse it? How does he bring a new life out of that? With water. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can see that going into the Red Sea also. And when we get to the New Testament, when things are finally going to be set right again, if God's nothing else, he's consistent. Right. There's going to be a burying of sin through repentance in water. So baptism isn't just some symbolic thing we do. Right. It's actually connected with spiritual realities, Jason, which is what you were saying. Baptism, as Paul would say, is a burying of our old self, is a drowning of the old Adam, so that we would come up new. Not because we've done anything, because what we're doing in baptism is saying, I'm, I deserve death. It's a baptism of repentance in John the Baptist's day. Well, I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking over the last week because I was talking to some friends that are in, squarely in the camp of, well, baptism is just a symbol. It doesn't do anything. And the problem, according to them, that they have is, well, yeah, but that's, that's something that you're doing. And the simple answer is uh, essentially— not who, if you're an infant. Who, who's right? Well, and that's just the point. Whose work is it? Mm-hmm. It's not ours, and and that I think would be a surprise to a lot of evangelicals today. Uh-huh. That that no, we're not saying that that's our work. That's something that we do. It's it's not. It's something that God God is one hundred percent responsible for it, as He is with the gift of repentance. Yeah, I mean Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes through hearing, right? So not intellect. Right. Faith comes through hearing. Something outside of yourself, that's where faith comes from. And hearing through the word of Christ. So not just the word that gives faith, but my ability to hear that word right. comes from the word of Christ. So if both faith and hearing come from God, both what I should believe and the ability to hear it and believe it come from God, what's left for me? Nothing. And if I go to the baptismal font as an adult, I'm not going up there saying, look look what great things I've done. Right. No, I'm going up there saying, I need to be cleansed. I have nothing to offer God, but I come to this baptismal font because he's promised that it's here he's going to forgive me. It is here he's going to deliver me. It is here he's going to mark me as his own. So that, as Jason said, I can, I can point to that day. It, I don't have to point to some ecstatic emotional experience that's dependent on P dependent on me remanufacturing that every day, Mm -hmm. but I can point to an objective thing done to me because that's what salvation is. It's what God does to and for us. And that's really what John the Baptist was preaching. 
Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the whole message combined in in one final Old Testament prophet, who, by the way, shares a lot in common with the miraculous hand of God that worked throughout the ages before him. Mm-hmm. You want to remember Abraham and Sarai, Abram and Sarai. God gave a promise to them of a child. Well, the problem was they were ancient and Sarah was barren. And it was comical for her. Yes, hence Isaac, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you have even before that, right? I mean, uh, not before that, after that, uh, Hannah, right? Uh, and and the birth of Samuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she couldn't have children, but the Lord answered her prayer and there was a miraculous birth. Uh, Samson was the same way. John the Baptist is the child of Elizabeth and Zechariah the priest who were old and barren. And if you read Luke's account uh, of the gospel, the angel came and said, you're going to have a child. And kind of like Sarah, except this time it's Zechariah, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, that's not really going to be possible. <laughs> but the angel Gabriel says, no, it's possible because I'm Gabriel and I just told you. Right. So even going back to our conversation about baptism to John the Baptist, the reason John's here in the first place isn't because Zechariah and Elizabeth decided to have a child and bring about the last prophet of the Old Testament. They couldn't. They were helpless. And by the way, so was Mary. She was a virgin. Over and over and over, you get to see from Old Testament that we read about how there's failures of kings and failures of, of prophets and Moses, how every time humans are, are responsible, quote-unquote, for salvation— it fails. Salvation isn't something we accomplish either by what we, we, we think we understand and that we think we believe or what we bring to God. Salvation is accomplished by what God does to and for us. And that's what he did through Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were barren, through Mary, who was a virgin, through John the Baptist's uh, preaching of repentance And by the way, Jesus echoes that message of John when he finally opens his public ministry. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's critically important. Don't repent in order to bring the kingdom of God. No, repent because God has come to you. You, You're not repenting to be faithful enough No, you're repenting because the grace of God has shown up unmerited, unsolicited. As he said in Malachi, suddenly the Lord will come to his temple. And I think it's fascinating that whether you believe Jesus cleansed the temple once or twice, because in John it's early, in the other Gospels it's late, I think this is exactly why John puts the temple cleansing in the front of his gospel. Maybe it happened that way. Maybe he's just making a, a statement. Uh, but that temple cleansing, the Lord coming to his temple, is connected with Malachi, who prophesied about John the Baptist. So John goes from creation to word made flesh, John the Baptist announcing it, and then straight into the temple cleansing in his gospel to show this dramatic fulfillment of Malachi 3 and 4. 
One of the things I hope that is made clear through this series of people of the book, as broad as it has been, is how you have to really have a good core understanding of the Old Testament to really have an appreciation of what's going on in the New Testament, especially the Christmas story that's coming up. the, The number of prophecies that are being fulfilled, it's like every other paragraph in the Christmas story. After this 400 years of silence, kind of like 400 years in slavery in Egypt. <laughs> right. Right? God is just nailing them, one after the other, after the other, after the other, because God is faithful to his word. The, the whole reason there was 400 years of silence was essentially because what's said has been said, what's done has been done, and it is not enough. The priesthood is still corrupt. Israel is still faithless. So that's enough. At the right time, the Lord's going to come to fulfill his word. He's going to do it. And again, as I said earlier, that's the message of John the Baptist, if you read it in scriptures. Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. To do it for us. Well, and I think there's an important point to be made. He took away, when he said, it is finished, on the cross, that is what it sounds like. He took away the sins of the whole world. He took away the sins of everyone. Right. God, through his son, he paid the price for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it is such a, that's why it's such a tragedy for us as Christians to see people who reject him. Because whether they understand it or not, they've been forgiven. Right. But they've decided, nope, that's not good enough for me. Yeah. I'm just going to walk away. And, mm-hmm. and that's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, he, he does it all. He, as I often say, God God didn't wait for your permission before he died on the cross for your sins, and he's He's God even if you reject him. That's the definition of God. Right. This whole salvation thing is literally yours. The only way you are not going to enjoy it is if you say, nah. Well, you nailed it, because I was just thinking that if if I give you something just here right today nor you know normally you'll be like oh thanks that's awesome you know gifts or this or that you know we're usually fairly excited but then this comes along and it's always out there for you and and but it's so easy to to not take that looking at john the baptist the very beginning of the new testament the last old testament prophet is that even after 400 years of silence at the right, perfect, exact time, God fulfills that word, and he sends his messenger into the wilderness, into the world, to proclaim, here he is. And I think part of the problem, yes, is our sinfulness, but this, this Lord coming to his temple did not look like what people expected. Right. And, and that's really what John embodies in his appearance also. Um, and, and we'll certainly get more into that as we look at the disciples next week uh, and, and their struggles with the one they call Lord. Uh, and, and that's really what Jesus spends a lot of his time teaching and raising them up in, is this is how the kingdom of God actually works in a sinful, broken world. It doesn't look like what you think because what you think is the problem. It's, it's something new. And that's exactly what you need. That's what Jesus says at the end of Revelation, right? Behold, I'm making all things new. 
We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.